Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Tipsy Ghosts. We're your tipsy hosts, Sarah, Sarah, and Lindsay. Hey, guys. Hello. Hi. Hello. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> we have a hello quota, and we've met it. We have maxed out. I just, I don't know. Okay, sorry. <laughs> there have been some really interesting things going on in the news in Missouri here lately. Lots of, lots of exciting things. Um, <laughs> Not what? <exciting. laughs> no, already. <laughs> Gosh, Lindsay. I, know. I guess it depends on what uh, your definition of exciting is. Yes, me and my daughter, it's exciting. <laughs> yes, your daughter, we're going to keep an eye on her. Yes. Little she sociopathic tendencies. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, they just came out with some more evidence from a recent murder. Not, not exciting. No, that's not <laughs> I exciting. I didn't know what you were going to say. <laughs> no, it's definitely not exciting. It's actually pretty tragic it's awful it really is mm-hmm. and it was so kind tell of me about this murder i don't know anything about it well um it was a girl named Cassidy rainwater she went missing a little while back and they had kind of suspected that a man um had had her at his house so like kidnapped her yes okay like, there was there's a lot more details that go into this so uh-huh. this is just kind of like the skimmed over version but there was some suspicions that she may have been there and um flash forward a little bit a couple months later. Okay. So the first thing I heard about it was in the summer. And then they just came out with more details here because he's under arrest now. And then they arrested another man who was a trucker. Mm-hmm. And they think that maybe he picked her up and brought her to the guy that lives in uh, this, the uh, country. <laughs> in The uh, country. Yeah. I think it's Lebanon. I'm pretty sure is okay. where it is in Missouri. Anyways, that he brought her to to this guy and that they ended up killing her and they found pictures of her like Aww. like i don't know if i should even include that but she was like strung up and gutted and Aww. yes it was horrible oh and then gosh, they were like an animal yes. and then they found out they were selling her body like on the dark web like what like, like i feel like it was parts or like, like meat like cannibal oh my gosh no style no so it was a really eye-opening story to realize that holy shit that like stuff. this actually happens yes. and, still sick people and in Missouri. so close to home. Exactly. It was mm-hmm. shocking. Mm-mm. So um, like that. I take back my exciting very, yeah. very much. <laughs> I would say probably not exciting. More but like you're gonna tell horrifying. me a fun, fun story. <laughs> I don't really have any fun stories. No, that one I just read about the other day. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because yeah. we have a similar case that we're talking about tonight. I know. We do. You want to tell them what we're talking about or who? Yeah, we decided to tackle one of the one of the big names. Yeah. And his name's Ed. Mr. Ed. Ed Keen. When I was typing his name, it kept autocorrecting it to Hein. Aww. Oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> Ed Gein? It's because it's G-E-I-N yeah, yeah, and it kept trying to put it. mine. I know it's pronounced Can differently. I call you Keen? Absolutely not. <laughs> Sarah Heen. No, oh my Heen. God. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we are not the same, okay? Instead of shiny-eyed, we can call you heeny-weeny. Oh, I love it. Oh, that's cute. cute. <laughs> You're not supposed to love it. I do. Okay. It was a gift. Flattered. A really thoughtful yeah. gift. Thank yeah. you. What are you thinking of me? <laughs> <laughs> well, you get to go first, Boyston. Yeah, let's... Right? Well, just... So, uh, just a quick intro into the case. So, everyone knows just what they're in for. Ed Gein was a convicted serial killer and a body snatcher. 
Okay. Uh, his crimes in Wisconsin mm-hmm. gathered widespread notoriety in 1957 after authorities discovered he had exhumed corpses from local graveyards and fashioned trophies and keepsakes from their bones and skin. So that's just a little like preview of what we're going to talk about. There's going to be some gross things here. Yeah. Can't wait. Edward Theodore Gein. Ed Teddy. <laughs> Ed Teddy. Ed Teddy Gein. Uh, He was born in La Crosse County, Wisconsin in 1906. His parents were George and Augusta. He had an older brother named Henry. Back to George, his dad, he was an alcoholic who was unable to keep a job. He worked as a carpenter, a tanner, an insurance salesman, and the family even owned a local grocery store for just a few years. He did it all. He sold the business and moved the family to an isolated farm on 155 acres in the town of... Plainfield, Wisconsin. Okay. But was it plain? And was it a field? Both. If he had 155 acres, that sounds like a big field. Yeah. It was very plain field. Thick field. A very religious Augusta took advantage of the isolation and turned away any outsiders who could have an influence on her sons. Mm -hmm. She was abusive towards the boys and was sure that they were destined to be just as terrible as their father. Wow. She preached about the immortality of the world the evil of drinking, and her belief that all women were naturally promiscuous and, quote, instruments of the devil, except for herself, of course. Did you say immortality or immorality? I didn't catch. (laughs) Are we all immortal? (laughs) Depends on who you ask. (laughs) Did you you type immortal? No. Oh, I was hoping you just read it. Like, you're good at reading. I'm sorry. You guys. Thank you. It's a really great compliment. (laughs) Does it make you feel good? I didn't hear it. No, I feel insulted that she called you a good reader and not me. (laughs) What I meant was she would read it. Even if it was the wrong word, she'd still read it. I gloss over it. (laughs) That's what I meant. The immortality of the world. And I was like, what? Or immorality. Yes. Yes. That I can believe. <laughs> yes. But remember, women are naturally promiscuous and yes. instruments That's of the, the devil. take home there. flappers. Yes. But not... Flappers. <laughs> not Augusta. What? Oh, my God. Oh. oh I mean, okay. I'm assuming we're around that time era-ish. Probably 1930s. 1930s. When he's a okay. kid. Okay. You, you're really talking about actual flappers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Promiscuous <laughs> flappers who showed their ankles. You know what? Know. You don't know that flappers were promiscuous... <laughs> they might have just been trying to make a living that and enjoy dancing. True. They were they had a very unique style of dancing. Mm-hmm. Every afternoon, she would read passages from the Bible to the boys, uh, mainly graphic passages from the Old Testament and the Book of Revelation there about death, murder, and divine retribution. Damnation. Ed only left the farm to go to school, which he did pretty well in, but he was very shy and was remembered for having strange mannerisms, like random laughter as if he were laughing at his own personal jokes. For this, <laughs> he, was, he was bullied. <laughs> I laugh at my own jokes all the time. Maybe he wasn't saying them out loud. He was just saying them in his head. Yeah. <laughs> like his own internal mo- monologue. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's happened occasionally, but if you're on a regular basis. Let me know if you have never laughed at yourself when there's been complete silence because you're remembering something else. I mean, definitely that. I do it all the time. Can you imagine just being in in a room with somebody they're just laughing by themselves constantly? Might be kind of weird. I can see how it can be weird. I do it, but I'm weird. (laughs) True. Very true. Accurate. (laughs) Okay. 
Ed's father died of heart failure caused by alcoholism in 1940. <clears throat> he was 66. After that, the Gein boys began doing odd jobs as handymen to help cover expenses for the farm. Ed also enjoyed babysitting and did so frequently, relating more with children than adults. Mm. Okay. Okay. His brother Henry started dating a divorced mother of two and often spoke poorly about their mother, Augusta, and Ed's attachment to her, and this really made him mad. So Henry and Ed are, they're not bros anymore they're not getting along no so in may of 1944 henry and edward battling a brush fire on their property when it grew out of control requiring the fire department to put it out after they did ed noticed that his brother was missing and a search party was formed however ed was the star of the show he led the search party right to henry who was found face down dead that's weird. So he knew where That's he was. That's suspicious. But he find him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he had to try and make it believable. I guess I don't know where he is. Oh, but follow what me. If we look at this place. <laughs> Found him. Hmm. <laughs> Just kidding. Weird. That's the last place I left him. Isn't that strange? <laughs> That's so weird. <laughs> he didn't move. Okay. <laughs> so initially, the cause of death was heart failure because he didn't appear to have any burns or other mm. injuries. But it was later reported that Henry actually did have bruising, and the coroner later changed the official cause of death to asphyxiation. No official investigation was conducted. What? Plainfield, did you have a lot of murders going on or something? You couldn't look into this? I mean, he was in a brush fire. They probably thought he just died. But there has been a lot of speculation about whether or not Ed could have murdered his brother. Yeah. I think I think that's a strong speculation. Mm-hmm. 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 It's possible. Now Ed and his mother were alone, but shortly after Henry's death, Augusta had a, a severe stroke, and Ed ended up devoting himself to taking care of her. Mm. So that's sweet. Um, she had another stroke about a year later, and her health quickly deteriorated afterwards, um, and she died in December of 1945. And of course, Ed was absolutely devastated. Mm -hmm. He stayed on the farm and earned money for food by doing odd jobs. He also received some type of payment from the government for the land and later sold about 80 acres, which had been Henry's part of the farm. He boarded up rooms that had been previously used by his mother, including the upstairs, downstairs parlor, and the living room, so they were essentially untouched and in pristine condition while the rest of the house deteriorated. Ed only lived out of a small room next to the kitchen and took up reading, reading about cannibals and Nazis. Uh, And I think that this might be where things started to go poorly for him. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, Yeah, the reading reading is what did it. Yeah, so he kind of developed a fascination with all things gruesome, um, and like Boyce to mention, it started after his mother died. I mean, he's always been into reading, but it really kind of took a turn mm. after she died. And um, he started reading a lot more. So as you mentioned, he became interested in Nazis, which is not a great topic. They're bad people. Yes. Nah. Uh, specifically, a woman named Ilsa Koch. And she was an overseer at a Nazi concentration camp who collected patches of skin from the prisoners. Ugh. Yeah. You know the Nazis are bad, but then you hear things like this and you're like, oh, they're really bad. I am sure there's a whole storyline on her. I just didn't devote much to it. Okay. Because Um, she's sick? Yeah. And also, like, 
it was just a small part of what Ugh. triggered him, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, people keep trophies. Yeah. We know that of serial killers. Yeah. So maybe um, she had some tendencies, and that's why. Probably. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing. <laughs> uh, so, you know, he worked on the farm. He was very skilled. He knew how to skin animals. And it turns out two years after his mother died, as you mentioned earlier, he started grave robbing. He wasn't taking anything of financial value, so he was leaving all of the necklaces, rings, anything that could have been traded for money, but he was taking body parts from people who were buried. Once his mother and brother both died, he was basically free to start indulging in these horrible fantasies that he'd probably been having for a long time, but they kind of came to the surface once his mom died. We're going to go to November 16th, 1957. This was the first day of deer hunting season, so most of the men from the town were out hunting. He went to the local hardware store that was owned by Bernice Warden. He had been hanging around the store for a few weeks, and he was kind of oddly obsessed with Bernice, and he asked her out multiple times. He just was not getting the hint that she was not interested, even though she politely declined many, many times. Mm. Um, He came into the store when that um, November 16th, And asked for antifreeze, and she gave it to him, and then she wrote a receipt out. So he went outside to the truck, he took the antifreeze, came back in, and he asked Bernice to see a rifle on the wall. When she turned around to get the rifle, and she had her back to him, he shot her in the back of the head. She gave him a loaded rifle from the wall. She didn't give it. She was going to reach for him. He went out to the gun, or out to the truck and got a gun. Oh, okay. And then came back in and he asked to see a rifle. So as soon as she turned Mm. around to grab it. Oh, surprise. I already got one. Surprise. Don't need one. Mm. Poor Bernice just like probably didn't suspect anything. Because as you said, most people thought he was just bizarre. Mm -hmm. It's like a sad, just lonely guy. Yeah. Yeah. And his mom died. And I feel so bad for him. She's probably a real sweet lady. his brother was mysteriously killed in a field. Mm -hmm. What's weird about that? He died in the brush fire. The brush fire of 1945. Yes. Nothing to see (laughs) here. Um, So, okay, after he shot her in the head, though, he loaded her body in his truck and then drove her back to his farm. This was pretty unusual because she was murdered in broad daylight. But Mm -hmm. sadly, nobody even noticed for hours. But that's because most people were out hunting. And he knew that. Her son, Frank Warden, came by the shop later in the day and noticed that she wasn't there. And he also found blood streaks on the floor, which kind of clued him in, like, maybe something's not right here. Oh, yeah. This looks like someone got shot. He immediately suspected that it was Ed. Oh, wow. Because he knew that Ed had been bothering his mother mother for weeks. So when police showed up at the hardware store to investigate, they found the receipt for the antifreeze Mm -hmm. with Ed's name written on it. So... One set of lawmen went to the neighbor's house where Ed was eating dinner and they arrested him. And another set of lawmen went to his farmhouse where they started making some pretty horrific discoveries. So by the time they get there, it's nighttime and officers begin to search for Bernice. They couldn't get into the front of the house, so they went around back. They entered into something called the summer kitchen, which was basically a little shed outside. And this is where I'm going to tell people listening, if you get grossed out easily, there's a lot of gory details here. So if you don't like this, then just skip through my part and go to Lindsay. <laughs> if you're fine with it, then then here, here we are. So uh, there was no electricity. They were pretty much just stumbling around in the dark with their flashlights. And one of them was scanning across the room and looked up and he saw an object hanging from the rafters, which at first they thought was probably a deer because deer, deer hunting, hunting season. season. Yeah. 
the more they looked, though, they realized it was actually a woman's corpse hanging from the ceiling that had been completely gutted. And she had basically been strung up and slit from sternum to pelvis. They realized that this was the body of Bernice Warden. Both officers ran out of the shed and immediately began vomiting. And after finding her body, police decided they should probably go ahead and search inside of the house as well. That's a good call, police. Yeah. Good job. And as you mentioned, Boyston, they found that he boarded up some of the areas that his mother had left. And in other parts of the house, he had been hoarding things. So you kind of touched on the house was just completely in shambles. And it was really rough. It was full of trash. And he would basically go to dump, go to the dump and bring back trash to the house. And just it was just full of chaos mm. and trash and garbage and smelled it's like terrible. like a hoarding house, basically. Yeah. But then the other rooms that were boarded off were beautiful and mm-hmm. fine. Even though his house was a complete wreck, police were able to find some pretty terrible things. And they found objects that were made out of human body parts. So here we go. We're going to go through what they found. Uh, there were chairs that were covered with human flesh, a lampshade made from the skin of a human face, a wastebasket made of human skin, 12 human heads, gloves made out of the skin of a corpse's fingers, a jar full of human noses, a box full of female genitalia, mm. some of them which had been painted and tied with ribbons, a belt made from female human nipples, a shade pole made of human lips, skulls on his bedposts, and a lot of female skulls, some with the tops sawn off. They were able to identify Bernice Warden's entire head in a burlap sack and her heart in a plastic bag in front of his potbelly stove. One of the creepiest things, though, that they found were human skin masks of females that were hanging from the wall as decoration. Some even had lipstick on them. But probably the worst of them all was a skin suit that he had crafted from the upper torso of a woman, as well as leggings made from human leg skin. He later confessed that he would put on his skin suit, leggings, and one of the skin masks. And work around the yard pretending to be his mother. That's absolutely That's just, rough. Can you, I was just going to say. <laughs> can you just imagine? I, I know I shouldn't laugh, but like, what the fuck? If you were a neighbor and you walked over and you're like, hey, what the fuck, Ed? <laughs> I'm thinking like the police who walked in and I know. just like, I mean, that's like a house of horrors. Yes, it truly is. And there is a lot of... Um, a lot of them that spoke out later and said how traumatic it truly was oh, for I'm them. Oh, I'm sure. Gosh. Yeah, you would I, never ugh. forget that. No, you just, you can't imagine seeing, oh, uh, no, you just can't. It's you just like you're not it. safe to put your hands anywhere. No, it's you can't even breathe. You yeah. Can't, no. The artifacts that they found, they were all photographed at a state crime lab and quote unquote decently disposed of. While they were searching, police also found the severed head of a woman who had been missing for over three years. Some reports say that it was her face mask. They were two in two separate places. So they found her skull in a box somewhere else, but her the skin of her face mm-hmm. in a bag. So they basically just opened it up to look inside, and that was her face staring straight back at them. So that was one that they specifically talked about being particularly traumatizing because it looked like a face staring back at you. Yeah. But her name was Mary Hogan, and at one time she had owned the local tavern. When she went missing... Ed would say some weird things like, oh, she's not missing. She's up at the house. So people just kind of wrote him off because they thought it was just weird and bizarre because he was weird and bizarre. But it turns out he's actually speaking the truth. So it just kind of goes to show like he really wasn't. I mean, was he in touch with reality? It's hard to say Mm -hmm. because he just was like 
so nonchalant. When, no, she's right there. Right. And she was. Turns out that he had murdered her on December 8th, 1950. So they think she was a target because she also resembled his mother. And after being in custody for 24 hours, he finally decided he would talk. He, um, The first thing he talked about, though, the first thing he asked for was a an apple pie topped with a slice of cheese. Ew. Okay, and I had first to put off. this specifically in here. <laughs> okay, no, old, old people like my, I was just my grandma say, used to do that. Shit, you really? not? Luke yes. and I just talked about this at work the other day. We were talking with somebody, and he was saying my grandma used to ask for yes. apple pie with a slice of cheese, and I was like, no way, absolutely not. And I came across this, and I texted him. I'm like, you're never gonna believe this. Ed Gein wanted apple pie with a slice of cheese. He's like, see, I told you. Ugh. Please tell me why. Has anybody out there eaten? Apple pie with a slice of cheese is still a thing. I've heard of people eating like brie with cheese or brie cheese with like <laughs> apples. Sorry, like you get yeah, apples but that and feels cheese, like fancy. Like, Maybe this was like the the cheaper version of brie brie and apples. I don't know. I'm picturing like craft cheese slice, but it may be like the wedge cheese. (laughs) And also like American processed cheese. Like baked on top. I don't know. I guess you can't knock it till you try it. I just don't have any interest in trying it. Well, maybe we'll try it one night. I don't know. I'm not a big apple pie person either, so there's that. I just like the crust. (laughs) Well, he confessed to the murders of Bernice and Mary, and he really didn't think anything of it. He was like, yeah, I did that. At first, when the police had entered the house and found all these body parts, they assumed that they were there because Ed was a serial killer. He told them, no, actually, he had gone to the local cemetery and dug up dead bodies. And that's where all of these things had come from. He confessed that between 1947 and 1952, he regularly visited the local cemetery approximately 40 times. Uh, he said that only 10 of those times, though, he dug up graves of recently buried middle-aged women he thought resembled his mother and then took the bodies home. So sometimes he would take the entire corpse and sometimes he'd just take parts of the corpse, just depending on what he needed. Was it a skin suit? Was it a shade pole? What was he trying to make? You never know. Um, <laughs> And again, this was just really hard for the investigators to believe. They were like, there's no way. I mean, these people are buried six feet under that takes a lot of work. It's not exactly easy to get to. We live in Wisconsin. It's cold. The ground's hard. Like, what? Mm-hmm, no mm-hmm. way. You definitely killed all these people. Yeah. Well, so they went and took a look for themselves. And they found that the ones that he was talking about specifically, they were wooden caskets. So that made it a little easier. And that they were only two feet below the surface because they were recently buried. Mm. So he would go out like as soon as they were recently buried. And then he'd only bury them that two feet again. Okay, so follow me. They apparently they only do like a couple feet in the beginning, and then they and come back. The ground. They just sink. I don't know because when I've been to funerals, it's not like that. But they said that these were only two feet deep, and they were in sandy soil, and not fascinating. Hard to get to. Interesting. Okay, but they did see that two of the caskets were found empty. One had a crowbar in it, and he did return some of the rings and some body parts to the other caskets. Um, so it was basically corroborated his story. <laughs> yeah. Like, mm, I think he's telling the truth. It matched up for the most part. Although he admitted to grave robbing nine bodies, but they did find 12 human skeletons in his house. The other interesting thing is they found that all the graves belong to women. And they think that either he was trying to rebuild his mother or maybe he was taking revenge on his mother because she was so strict and things were kind of hard. When asked about the skin suits, he said he wanted to create a woman's suit so that he could become his mother mother, to literally crawl into her skin. 
commentary. He did try to dig up his mother, uh, but he couldn't get to her grave because she was buried in a concrete vault. Mm. So that prohibited him. The other thing is, some people may be wondering, is if he tried having sex with these bodies, and he did not. He said they smelled too bad. So if that, if wandering minds are curious, that is one point he said that he never did. I'm glad that that is the one thing that stopped him was the smell. Just smelled too bad. Yeah. He just wasn't interested. Not anything else that would stop you from that. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. It didn't take long. Took about a week. On November 21st, (laughs) he went to court and he was arraigned on one count of first degree murder and he pled not guilty by reason of insanity. He was diagnosed with schizophrenia and found mentally incompetent and was found unfit for trial. So they sent him to the Central State Hospital for the Criminally Insane in Wapoon, Wisconsin. Wapoon. Probably not pronouncing that right. Don't care. <laughs> I, feel like it's, I like the way it sounds. It's funny. <laughs> Wapoon. And then a fun name for a not-so-fun place. <laughs> that's <laughs> that tagline. Is their slogan. Yes, I think so. If that's not your slogan, Wapoon, you need to give it me. <laughs> Hit me up. Okay. All right. And then he was later transferred to the Mendota State Hospital in Madison, Wisconsin. Sounds like a better place for him. Yeah. So that was 1957 um, is when the murder and everything like that happened. So it really didn't take long for them to get him to no. the mental like, hospital. Mm, They're like, mm, something right. <laughs> so 1968, 11 years. We're going to fast forward. Um, he's been working with doctors and psychiatrists. And at this point, they found that he was mentally able to confer with counsel and participate in his defense. And that is a quote that they said. Okay. So... A new trial began on November 7th, 1968. That lasted a week. Um, He had psychiatrists testify from both the defense and the prosecution. One psychiatrist testified that Ed had told him that he did not know whether the killing of Bernice Warden was intentional or accidental, and that while examining a gun in her store, the gun went off and killed her. Mm-hmm. Then he also testified that after he tried to load a bullet into the rifle, it discharged, and he had not aimed at her and did not remember anything else from that morning. So, But she was shot in the back of the head, and she was, like, facing right. the rifle. I mean, there's just no way. And this is also 11 years yeah. later. So I your mean, memory could be... And you could be also, you know... I'm not really trusting his memory. I'm just saying. Yeah. Just, I, I don't know about his recount of storytelling. The defense requested for his trial to be held without a jury because of how notorious his case was. Okay. So he was found guilty on November 14th, a week later. A second trial then was happening to deal with his sanity. Quick question. This is probably stupid, but how do, how do you have a trial without jury? Is it just the judge? The judge makes okay. the decision. Mm-hmm. They thought that the jury would not be able to be but. Like unbiased, yeah. yeah. Okay, I, they I get would have that. already been like, "You're guilty." I thought that they like totally relocated them if that was the case, but I don't know well enough. Sequestered so. them, yeah. Um, That's a big word for me. <laughs> <laughs> there have been a few cases that are without a jury. It might be different nowadays, but this yeah. was in the '60s. No Maybe worries. they changed I just didn't them. Know. I don't know. So anyway, so they find him guilty, but then they have to deal with his sanity. Testimony, again, like I said, was provided by both the prosecution and the defense with psychiatrists on both sides, and the judge ruled that he was, quote, not guilty by reason of insanity, and again ordered him committed back to where he came from, Central State. Or no, he went to a different one, sorry. Central State Hospital for the Criminally Insane. This is in Wapoon. He went back to Wapoon. 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 (laughs) Um, Where he ended up spending the rest of his life there. The judge, his name was Judge Gallmer, wrote, quote, due to prohibitive... 
mm-hmm. due to prohibit. <laughs> God damn! You got this. Try one more time. <laughs> do are you trying to say prohibition? No, nope. no. I know you're saying prohibitive. Due to prohibitive. Your... <laughs> your brain's trying to say prohibition. It is. My brain is not connected with my prohibitive. mouth. Prohibitive. Yep. Cost. <laughs> He was only tried for one murder, that of Mrs. Warden. He also admitted to killing Mary Hogan, end quote. So basically, like, they knew, obviously, he had killed more than just, you know, Bernice Warden. But mm-hmm. at the same time, this is a small town, and they probably didn't want to go through the cost of having True. all these trials yeah. and trying to find, you know, all of these identities. So yeah. it's, kind of, it's sad, but the judge had already ordered him to life in a mental health yeah, hospital. I get that. The house. So the house was appraised at $4,700, which nowadays mm. converts to about 42000 That's what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. I, con- I converted it for you. <laughs> Good job. Um, his possessions were scheduled to be auctioned on March 30th, 1958. Rumors flew that the house would become a tourist attraction, but this Ew. was never true. Police said this is not, like, something we want to be a tourist attraction. <laughs> yeah. Um. So... Possessions were going to be auctioned on March 30th with the house. On the morning of March 20th, the house was destroyed by a fire and everything in it. Hmm. Weird. The fire marshals investigated it, and they said there had been a garbage fire about 75 feet away from the house, and the cleaning crew had been in to kind of clean things up before, you know, the auction. They were supposed to dispose of the trash, and hot coals were recovered from the spot of a bonfire, but then they said the fire didn't spread along the ground. So that doesn't really make sense if the trash was 75 feet away, but it didn't spread on the ground. That sounds intentional. Arson was strongly (laughs) suspected (laughs) because of this, but the cause of the fire was never actually determined. Mm. The fire chief at that time is Frank Warden, who is the son of Bernice Warden. Sweet revenge. So they were like, there didn't really seem to be much incentive to try to solve this. Mm -hmm. Um or, you know, he didn't want to solve it because maybe he did it. I think that's a conspiracy there, too. Like, some people think he just didn't care to solve it because there was so much going on and <clears throat> good riddance kind of thing. Sure. And also... Get rid of it. Who knows? Mm. Maybe it was a cover-up. Who knows? So, when Ed learned of the incident and that the house and everything was gone, he shrugged and said, just as well. That sounds like something Ed would say. Yeah. His 1949 sedan, which he used to haul the bodies of victims, was sold at public auction for $760, which is now (laughs) $6,800. And it was sold to a carnival sideshow operator, Bunny Gibbons. Bunny? I don't know a Bunny Gibbons. Gibbons charged carnival goers admission to come see the car. I mean, I don't know how that's much different than Zach charging to see other things. Right. I mean, yeah. You you make money. Yeah. All right, so Ed died at the Mendota Mental Health Institute uh, due to respiratory failure secondary to lung cancer on July 26, 1984, at the age of 77. So he was buried. His gravestone, people know who he is by now. Um, So his gravestone was chipped away by people who basically wanted a souvenir Mm. of him until the stone was completely stolen in 2000. It was found in June 2001 near Seattle. And so now his gravesite is completely unmarked, although people know where he's buried because he's buried between his parents and his brother. But oh, well, yeah. they did not mark his grave because they didn't want to have to deal with people stealing it or chipping it away. All right. So Ed 
<clears throat> first became widespread and popular during a movie that I have thought about nonstop since you've been talking about him, which is Psycho. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, obviously, fictional ki- serial killers have been based off of him. Norman Bates in Psycho is probably the most famous one that I think we think of because yeah. the obsession with the mother and trying to be his mother. and For sure. Did you see Bates Motel? The, um, the I saw, like, the first season. TV series. It's actually really good. Mm-hmm. I liked it quite a bit. I'm waiting for you to say the one that I think of. I know. I'm trying not to. Leatherface with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's it. Yes. <laughs> is another very popular one. Gosh. What is wrong with me? Popular one. <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, mainly because of the lampshades and things like that. And, his and also mask. using a skin mask. A skin mask. <laughs> yeah. There it is. Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs. And Dr. Oliver Threadson from American oh. Horror Story Asylum. That is true. Interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, I never thought about that. He's got, but, yeah. like, he's got the lampshades that have like nipples on it, I remember. Mm-hmm. Yep. He oh, had God, all of you're those right. things. Mm-hmm. Yep. His house was creepy. I bet I thought about that in the moment and then just completely forgot about it. Mm-hmm. So that- I've seen two out of four of good those job. things. That's a good se- that's a good season. Mm-hmm. Asylum. Good one. It is a good one. All right. So um other movies that are based off of him. Deranged, which premiered in 1974. In Never the, seen it. Sounds about right. I haven't. <laughs> I haven't seen these either. He in, was indeed deranged. He was <laughs> in the light of the moon. There was a few like documentary style movies based off of him. Uh, the Butcher of Plainfield, which was in yes. 2007, which that was a name that people called him. It is. Um, and there was a musical oh, released no. about him in 2010. Oh Jesus. Okay. Have you prepared a song? I have not. I meant to Google it and I forgot to Google it, but how and why? <laughs> I have so many questions. Uh, I'm, uh, I mean, like, I, I don't know. Weird vibes about that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it didn't make it to Broadway. <laughs> or it did it. Or it did it. I don't know. I'm going to New York next year. I'll Ed let you Jean, know. the musical. Ed Jean, oh, for the love of God. <laughs> what did I just say? Ed Jean. Dang it. I, that makes it sound like his middle name is Gene. <laughs> Edward Gene, get over here. <laughs> Ed, Ted, Ed Ted the musical. Ed Gene. Rob Zombie has a couple films. House of a Thousand Corpses. I have not seen it, heard of it. And then there's a sequel called The Devil's Rejects. And I haven't seen either of them, but apparently they are also based off her dear old Ed Ted. Ed Ted Gene. <laughs> <laughs> so at the time, the news reports of his crimes kind of kind of like what you said it's like funny but it's not and I they know. call it black humor yeah <laughs> well yeah so it's like people who i don't even want to say it not like like him but like i don't even want to say idolize him i don't know what a good word is glamorize him or... maybe that's a good word like glamorize yeah. him like kind of like a cult following kind yeah. of thing okay they're called oh god geeners Jeansters. Keeners. <laughs> and so that's where I got the Keener Wiener. <laughs> so he has been exploited, I mean, for basically everything he does, the black humor, all that. Shock value. People like to refer to him to because it's a weird case. I mean, honestly, I don't know how else to describe it. It's a grotesque and weird, unusual case. There have been a couple songs. Oh, about him oh boy one called dead skin mask i mean that sounds fitting <laughs> a band called slayer well i've heard of slayer there's also a band named after him uh 
the Gein machine. <laughs> no, it's just Ed Gein. There is another uh, song called Nothing to Gein. <laughs> no, I like that one. That's um, very punny. Kind of like Nothing to Gain. Oh, we got no, it. Oh, I got it. <laughs> okay, gotcha. And then there's also Oh my a God, song, thank you for clarifying. A song just with his name, Ed Gein. <laughs> do you guys think he killed his brother? I think he killed his brother. Yes. Yeah. I think he did too. Yeah. How do you feel? Just curious. How did? You, how do you feel about the uh, schizo, um, schizophrenic diagnosis? Um, I, I mean, I know you haven't talked to him. I have not talked directly. To him, assessed him. <laughs> um, it's just an off the off the cuff. Off the cuff. I think he. <laughs> I think probably what led to that diagnosis was he was very delusional, mm-hmm. um, and just lived in that delusional state not so much like hallucinating like what people think of with schizophrenia like talking to people that aren't there or seeing things that aren't there but more just like delusional thought that this would bring back his mother yeah kind of that thought process do typically they go in and out of delusions or are they typically in a state of delusion if they're unmedicated i mean if they're unmedicated they're typically in that state i mean he would have moments of like lucidity where he'd be able to that's what the confusing is yeah. because you, you hear people who grew up with him and talked to him and they were like yeah i mean he's he's a little off but we were mm-hmm. he'd joke and have a good time and he went to school and Nobody ever said anything. Well, I mean, if his delusion was based off of that, he thought that this would bring his mother back. I mean, he would be able to be lucid in other parts of his life, you know, mm-hmm. that didn't deal with his mom. Yeah. So maybe he had a break, mental yeah. break after she died. And I don't know, something happened. Mm-hmm. Well, sad, fascinating. Hopefully he got some help before he died. But that is our serial killer. Ed Gein by Ed Gein. Boyd Sten, Lindsay, and Sarah Heen. <laughs> <laughs> heener wiener heener keener wiener heener wiener or heeny weeny heeny weeny either one I like both <laughs> I'm not picky I'm so flattered thank you you're welcome you thought of me <laughs> alright thanks so much guys for tuning in for this week's episode you can always find us at thetipsyghost.com and find our socials from there or send us an email at thetipsyghosts at gmail.com please give us a five star rating and a great review anywhere you listen to podcasts we really appreciate it and it really does help that's true all right guys thanks so much for tuning in this week we will catch you guys next week okay bye <laughs> bye <laughs> what that's, that's true, true. <laughs> i was <laughs> contributing that is true how dare you how dare you prohibitive no. prohibitive